за добре косить, кому мила їсти носить я. Edmonton, that was Millennia with a song called Tomu Kosa Dobre Koset, which translates uh, more or less as uh, a good braid, song about a braid, but it's not really about a braid. It is a, a cute little romance between a very besotted young girl and um, let's say maybe a self-centered young man. Again, that was Millennia with Tomu Kosa Dobre Koset. Dobri vacher i vitaju vas vsih dorehi radiju suhoči na radio programu Naš Holos, radio ukrajinskoho korinja, kotra podijaci vam na bahatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we've got a great program lined up for you. Uh, lots of tunes, a couple of book reviews, uh, one on Kanishka Corner and one on Ukrainian Jewish heritage and our usual proverb of the week. A few other items of interest and, as mentioned, great Ukrainian music. So coming up next, we've got a group called Cherivna, which means enchanted. Uh, and it is a trio, a Ukrainian trio, which is now in the United States. And here they are with a traditional Ukrainian folk song called Oyuvishneva Musadochku in the Cherry Orchard. Oh, 
deadly attack and Ukraine war amps is asking for your help with a tax deductible donation today funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets helmets walkie-talkies food water and gas and by civilians including children for food water and medications and when possible escape to safety please donate today to Ukraine war amps via PayPal e-transfer to Ukraine war amps at gmail.com or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are available for only $150. Kids 12 and under get in free. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing over three incredible days, July 29th to 31st, at the festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba. Your one-pay gate gives you access to all the on-site attractions on four feature stages, including the amazing grandstand variety shows and evening dance parties. Order your weekend passes and camping passes by phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca.
from Montreal, that was uh, Privit from their second CD, Zaklikanya, or Zaklikanya, and that was Nibezori, Polinochi, Northern Stars. Up next, a song by Sluhai from Winnipeg, and a song that was released by Privit on their first CD, Berech Nadi, Shores of Hope, back in the 90s, and it is a song that was of lyrics, poet lyrics of the Ukrainian poet Alexander Oles, put to music by Mark Bednarchuk of Privit, and of course he does all the original music for the group on their three albums, or pretty much um, almost all of it. And uh, so here is Sluhai now with a cover of that song, Nashcho Nashcho to be Pitate, Why Ask Me? Rosy, what is this? Nish that David, what is this? 
Na ulici skrypka raje, basu beve mavljaje, mene mati ne puskaje na ulicu bojati. Pusti mene moja mati na ulicu bojati, na ulicu bojati, s parukami žartovati. Mene mati ne puskaje na ulicu bojati. Welcome to Knishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing communism and hunger, the Ukrainian, Chinese, Kazakh, and Soviet famines in comparative perspective, edited by Andrea Graziosi and Frank Sisin. Communism and Hunger is a collection of scholarly articles examining the similarities and differences of the pan-Soviet famine of 1931-33, the Ukrainian Holodomor, the Kazakh Great Hunger, and the famine in China in 1958-62. The articles were written by scholars who presented their papers at a 2014 conference organized by the Holdemod Research and Education Consortium. Whatever the economic motivations, the famines were also political events, requiring political analysis of their causes and courses. The first three articles in this collection examine the specific causes, events, and results of the famines. Nicholas Wirth examines the man-made famines in the USSR from 1928 to 33, which killed between 6.5 to 7 million people, 4.2 million in Ukraine and the Kuban, 1.5 million in Kazakhstan, and more than a million throughout the rest of the Soviet Union. Stalin considered peasant resistance to his economic policies as a war on the Soviet Union. Worth describes the forced collectivization in Ukraine in brutal terms. The total confiscation of land and livestock from village communities, the harsh restriction of ownership of domestic animals, and the peasants' loss of control over the distribution of the harvest resulted in wholesale starvation. At the height of the Holodomor, between January and July 1933, between 15,000 and 20,000 people died every day in silence and total abandonment. Sarah Cameron's article on the Kazakh famine of 1930-33 to examines Stalin's efforts to collectivize the nomadic population, which resulted in wholesale starvation. As archival information has become more available, the research on this horrific event has increased. The third article by Zhu Jun examines the Great Famine of 1958-62 to in China, which claimed millions of lives as a result of Mao Zedong's effort to make China an industrial communist utopia. The subsequent three articles are comparative studies of the use of hunger as a weapon in communist regimes in the 20th century. The similarities are striking. Political reasons for man-made famines, official denials to the world about the famines while they were occurring, and striking consequences for those impacted by the famines. All the scholars are united in calling for more research on these important historical events. The articles in this book relied on recent increased access to archives and the efforts of the international scholarly community to release information about the use of hunger as a political and economic tool by communist governments in the 20th century. These governments believed that by creating politically motivated famines, they could manipulate populations under their control. The statistics of the various famines have been hotly contested for their accuracy, mostly because of political propaganda. The most shocking aspect of this collection of articles is that the world community allowed these famines to occur without intervention. 
whole populations starved to death while the world community ignored their plight. The individual articles in this scholarly book about how hunger was used as an economic and political tool by communist governments are very enlightening. There are extensive and detailed footnotes, which will definitely be useful to scholars pursuing further research on these topics. While the Ukrainian Holodomor was not the only focus of this text, readers will learn a great deal about the horrific events in their historical context. Communism and hunger is definitely meant for scholars of world history. However, all readers interested in the history of the Ukrainian Holodomor will definitely enjoy this book. The book was edited by Andrea Graziosi, president of the Italian National Agency for the Evaluation of Universities and Research, and a professor of history at the Università di Napoli, Federico II, and Frank E. Sisin, director of the Peter Yatsik Center for Ukrainian Historical Research, Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies, and a professor at the Department of History and Classics at the University of Alberta. Communism and Hunger is available at the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies Press. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From Montreal and many years ago, the legendary Rushnichok with the song about Yuri Chuchunik, a famous hetman of the Ukrainian army fighting for Ukraine's freedom a century ago, just as Ukrainians are again today. Rushnichok with Chuchunik. Up next, uh, 
Canadian and American Ukrainian folk group called Kurinya. And here they are from their most recent release called Lisom, part one. Uh, and this is a song that you'll recognize the melody. Uh, it is an instrumental version of that classic about a Ukrainian delicacy.
And another Edmonton group, that was Stembita with Le Tetuj Leva Pisnia, which translates as Fly You Sad Song. And that is a very recent recording from their EP that was put out to in support of Ukrainian artists who have set aside the tools of their trade and are now fighting for their homeland. If you would like to support those artists by purchasing a copy of the EP, you can go to www playitforward.com forward slash projects forward slash 422 the numbers and don't worry if you didn't get that I'll have a link in the podcast show notes and you can get a link to the podcast at our website www.nashholos.com Up next another group uh, called Calabi they're no longer together but they are the musicians themselves are out and about, still creating music, most of them. And this is from their album called Kolomeka Casualties, and it is another Ukrainian folk classic. Uh, the story about a marriage between a mosquito and a fly. Komarik. Что за шум? Учинился, эй! Что комарик тайно муси оженился? Что комарик тайно муси оженился? Взял собі жінку, невеличку, эй! Что не вмієш жити прясне чоловичку? Что не вмієш жити прясне чоловичку?
полумил реброй кости, Потрушил полумил реброй кости. Прилетела муха жалко вати, Эй, ой, дышь тебе комарюку поховати, Ой, дышь тебе комарюку поховати. And now, Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Discovering unknown and untold stories from the past and present of Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage. In this edition of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we will be discussing our fellow countrymen, Rebbe Menachem Mendel Schneerson, written by Dr. Larissa Levchenko and Dr. Vladimir Shukin. Our fellow countrymen examines the history of the Rebbe's family in the Mikolayu Jewish community, based on records from the state archives of the region. There are six chapters written in both English and Russian translation, examining the Rebbe's family roots, as well as his leadership of the powerful Jewish organization named Chabad. For almost a century, the fate of three generations of the large Levut Yanovsky Schneerson family, who gave the world several prominent public and religious figures, is connected with the city of Mikolayu. The first chapter begins in 1840, with the founding of the Jewish community in the area of Romanovka, near Mikolayu, under the leadership of the Rebbe's great-great-grandfather, Rabbi Avraham David Lavut. He was officially appointed as rabbi of the colony in 1845, and in 1857 was also elected as rabbi of the Mikolayu Synagogue. There he became a strong community leader and a respected scholar. The Rebbe's maternal grandfather, Rabbi Meyer Shlomo Yanovsky, was also a prominent spiritual leader in Mikolayu. He became a rabbi at the new synagogue in Mikolayu in 1907 and served there until its closure in the late 1920s. His daughter Shana became the mother of the Rebbe. She married Levi Yitzhak Schneerson in 1900 in Mikolayu. Their first son, Menachem Mendel, was born in 1902 in Mikolayu. The Rebbe's parents continued to live in Mikolayu until his father, Levi, was offered the position of rabbi in Ekaterinoslav, renamed Dnipropetrovsk in 1926. After their move to Dnipropetrovsk, his father became a prominent religious leader, which led to his arrest by the Soviet authorities. He was accused of conducting an anti-Soviet agitation of slanderous and defeatist nature 
and regular communication with his son, Menachem Mendel, who was considered a Polish intelligence agent. He was sentenced to expulsion to Central Asia for five years, where he died in 1944. In 1947, the Rebbe's mother was reunited with her eldest son in New York City. In Mikolayu, the Rebbe's uncle, Shmuel Zalmanovich Nirsen, also became a respected spiritual leader of the Chabad Jewish Synagogue. In the 1930s, the Soviets closed Jewish synagogues in the city. In 1942, the Rebbe's uncle was indicted by the Soviets, just like the Rebbe's father. He was sentenced to three years in labor camps, where he became very ill. He died soon after being released. The final two chapters of the book deal with the Rebbe, Menachem Mendel Schneerson and his wife Chaya Mushka, as well as the revival of Jewish life in Mikolayu at the end of the 20th century. The Rebbe was born in Mikolayu in 1902, but was six years old when his family left. He maintained ties with his grandparents and his uncle's family. Even after leaving Russia, and despite the great distance, the Rebbe always remembered not just his small birthplace, but also Ukraine as a whole. He left the Soviet Union in 1927 and married Chayamushka in Warsaw in 1928. They moved several times and arrived in New York City in 1941. In 1951, he became the seventh Rebbe of Chabad after the death of his father-in-law, Friedricher Rebbe. He was known as a great scholar and advisor to many powerful leaders, including Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, and Yitzhak Rabin. The Rebbe's impact was truly remarkable. His influence spanned the globe in campaigns for the lighting of menorahs by American presidents, prayer in public schools, and Jewish emigration from the Soviet Union. He worked diligently to foster leadership among his followers and established charitable foundations, such as the Chabad's Children of Chernobyl organization, to provide relief to victims of the Chernobyl explosion. Readers who enjoy biographies of important historical figures will be interested in this examination of the Rebbe's family roots in Mikolayu. This is the first examination of the Rebbe's life written by non-Jewish writers from Ukraine. The book was written both in English and Russian translation in an effort to make it more accessible to the Ukrainian population. It could perhaps have been written in Ukrainian to reflect the new realities in Ukraine. The intricate detail might be difficult for some readers. However, scholars will find the inclusion of photographs, letters, archival documents, and chronologies useful. Larissa Levchenko is a doctor of historical sciences, as well as the director of the State Archive of the Mikolayu region. She has done extensive research on the history of archives, presented at numerous conferences, and published extensively. Vladimir Shukin is a doctor of philosophy and associate professor. His research interests include the history of the Jewish population in southern Ukraine, as well as the history of Ukrainian culture. He has also presented at numerous conferences and published extensively. Our fellow countryman is available at Judaica World and the Jewish Educational Media Store. I'm Myra Janik from Toronto for Nashkolos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, Shalom. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nashkolos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
that was a Hasidic Nagun called Moni Ovadia, and uh, Nagun was a Jewish religious melody that can have many different forms from laments to uh, something rather more upbeat like you just heard. Weekend passes for Canada's National Ukrainian Festival are available for only $150. Kids 12 and under get in free. Don't miss the very best in Ukrainian culture, food, music, and dancing over three incredible days, July 29th to 31st, at the festival site near Dauphin, Manitoba. Your one-pay gate gives you access to all the on-site attractions on four feature stages, including the amazing grandstand variety shows and evening dance parties. Order your weekend passes and camping passes by phone at 204-622-4600 or online at cnuf.ca. The Honeysuckle Walls, performed for you by the By Request Band from Sardo, Manitoba, one of the uh, many groups that will be performing at Canada's National Ukrainian Festival, taking place in Dauphin, the August long weekend. And uh, this is the first time in two years they've been able to do it live. So if you can make it to Dauphin this year for their festival, I would definitely recommend that you do that. Not just to hear the By Request Band, but many others and uh, see some dancers, some great displays and just have a wonderful time out there at the wonderful amphitheater in the Salo, just outside of Dauphin. Again, that was the By Request Band with the Honeysuckle Walls. And our proverb of the week translates as if you don't like something, then don't wish it on someone else. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder to tune in to the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos, which can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on CHLY 101.7 FM, Wednesdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. with host Oksana Pobereznik. If you miss our on-air or live stream broadcast, you'll find the podcast at our website, www.nashholos.com. Well, our time is about up, so to take us to the end of our program, another group that'll be at Dauphin's National Ukrainian Festival this year, 
uh, the August long weekend in Dauphin, Manitoba. High profile from Winnipeg. Here they are to wrap it up with the out-of-control Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nasholos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich. <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.